Okay, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash firstofallpodcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out firstofallpod.com or subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform or just follow me on Instagram because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support and enjoy the show. You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you, especially one that everyday life is as crazy as it is now. I hope you guys are doing well, staying safe and healthy. I thought I had COVID the last few days, but I had a negative test, so whew. But keeping an eye on that, please stay safe, take care of yourselves. Anyway, I'm really excited to welcome you back to Season 2, Episode 2, also known as Episode 163 on The Great Resignation. Really excited to talk about this topic because this has been quite a cultural phenomenon here in the United States where millions of people have been leaving their jobs this past year. And it's a convergence of many topics that I love to cover here on the first of all, which is career development, mental health, cultural shifts. And to talk about it, I am so excited to bring back a previous guest, Tan Kim, who is the co-host of Bamboo and Glass podcast, and a first-time guest, her co-host, Sophia Sun. Now, between the three of us, we have a pretty diverse background. I'm in my mid-30s. They are in their mid-20s. We enter the workforce at different times. Um, I, I study public health and worked a lot in the nonprofit sphere. I ran a nonprofit organization, now freelancing as an artist and, you know, entertainment professional. Those two have an amazing background working in tech, very much in the corporate world. Town is now on a new chapter back in school to pursue filmmaking. So we have a very good variety of experiences, perspectives, personalities, and sensibilities when it comes to work in our, in our careers and just where we're at in life. And hopefully this conversation can provide some insight and clarity and maybe food for thought for anybody else out there who's really thinking about where they're at in life and evaluating if and when they may want to walk away from something. It's definitely in the air right now. We're kicking off 2022 really strong with different intentions and this different version of us. So I want to share a little bit more about my guest before we jump into the episode. Tan Kim is a Korean-American filmmaker and the co-host of Bamboo and Glass. She worked as a software engineer at Google and at Pixar Animation Studios after getting her bachelor's and master's at Stanford University. No big deal. Uh, but now her her road has taken her to filmmaking and podcasting where she wants to tell magical, heartwarming, healing stories for young Asian Americans in eclectic households. Her co-host, Sophia, is actually a very talented artist. She is a chorister, pianist, painter, and now is a product manager at Microsoft. And of course, the co-host of the Bamboo and Glass podcast. She is originally from the Bay Area and currently residing in Seattle, living that Bill Gates life, and has a computer science degree from Pomona College. Really honored to have these two very intelligent women on this show to talk about this very interesting topic. And without further ado, here's episode 163, The Great Resignation. Enjoy! Yeah, came in 88, 
with a dream oh so bright eyed they knew right away sick of swing there's no lifelines cutting the teeth on the move nobody's feeling welcome to first of all Sophia and Tan from bamboo and glass podcast hi you guys hi hi so happy to be here so happy to have you guys here this is amazing thank you uh for existing first of all Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for existing. (laughs) Thank you for your podcast. Thank you guys for being brilliant, eloquent, thoughtful, amazing women. Okay, you say that, Benji, but we also learned so much of that from you. So you take Um, half the credit there. (laughs) No, 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 no. Half is too much. But I'm I'm just, I continue to plug. um, Already did in the intro. You guys have an incredible podcast called Bamboo and Glass. And uh, do you want to, who wants to do the spiel? I already, I did your hype womaning, but I would love to hear from you guys about how you share your podcast. Yeah, um, I can do it. Does yeah. that sound good? Yeah. Okay. So we generally on our podcast, we love to share our lifelong journey of learning and unlearning. And the way we do that is by highlighting underrepresented perspectives that we come across in our own lives, as well as in people that we encounter. And so that's been going on for almost three years at this point. And we've just been continually putting out those weekly episodes. And so you can find us wherever you are listening to, first of all, right now, and uh, hopefully support both of us. So that's it. Awesome. That's very polished. Again, impressed. Um, (laughs) And Tan is a returning guest. She's been on my podcast. We had a little Gen. Was it? Was it the Gen Z talk? No. It was uh, me at twenty. Me at twenty. Yes. Thank you. I was like, it was the generational conversation, like having a big sister moment, which I think today is also uh, centered around that aspect too, because we have very differing perspectives that we're going to talk about today about Mm -hmm. the Great Resignation. but Sophia, you're a first-time guest. Welcome. I am. Thank you so much for including me. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. I cannot... You told me an interesting factoid. You want to reiterate? I'm, I'm shocked about it. Yeah, this is the first podcast I've like chosen to be on. I think some people have reached out in the past, wasn't sure that there was like complete alignment there. But when Minji reached out, it was an immediate yes. So I'm very excited oh. to be here. Excited to get to talk with the big sister figure who actually... <laughs> Minji, I recently got to meet you in real life over Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes, that was very special. That was really, really fun. Again, that was like another little gem of a moment that happened. I say synchronistically, Um, Mm -hmm. but we got to spend Thanksgiving together. You guys got to eat my food and hang out. It was great. It was so much fun. Uh, Sidebar, did you guys eat the leftovers? Oh, (laughs) yeah. yeah. We we ate them for days. (laughs) For days. They were so good, like even three days later. That's how you know the food was good. Oh, you don't have to gas it. I was just like, uh, I I made way too much food that day. And so it was great. I'm glad you guys. I love to feed people. Yes. Okay. So the great resignation. To introduce this topic and talk about this phenomenon that's been a really heavy buzzword throughout 2021. And now we're at the top of 2022. And I think there's still this continuation of understanding what happened and what's happening and what's going to happen moving forward. We are the three of us are coming from very different ages, generations and and stages in life, right? And different pockets of the universe. So people know this, I think, heavily. If you haven't listened to first of all, I'm an actor, I'm a filmmaker, and uh, I've you know gone into the entrepreneurial world. I'm I'm a freelancer, right? And I have a background working in corporate, working in nonprofit world. Uh, for many, many years before this. And I've been on this freelance journey for about three years. Curious if you guys can summarize where you're at, if we can get a baseline of how are we entering this conversation at what point in our careers and our and our journeys? Who wants mm-hmm. to start? 
Sophia, you go first. Yeah. So I have been a program manager or product manager at Microsoft. Um, so what I do, it's I'm sort of like a producer for a film, but I'm like a producer for a tech product. So imagine, like, think of your favorite product. Maybe it's TikTok. The product manager is the one who thinks of the goal. Like, what should we be aiming for? Is it more users? Is it more engagement? And then I would rally a team together to brainstorm. How are we going to reach that goal? What are our new features? And then, like, make sure everyone's working in lockstep together to achieve that goal. So it's very much both, it's seen as kind of like a flashy leadership role, but there's also a lot of like servant leadership involved. It's like sometimes you just got to step up, fill in the blanks and get your team gelling together and moving towards that goal. Awesome. Spoken like a true product manager. I can, I can already (laughs) see, I can, I can see you in the, what do they call it? The, what do they call it? The bullpen? (laughs) What do they call those? In like oh. startup world, but I know yeah, yeah, Microsoft yeah. is not a startup. But I'm I'm imagining like those, you know, the the open spaces in the office where mm. or in the conference room. I can see Sophia. It's just so easy <laughs> leading the meeting, doing check ins. It's awesome. Uh, curious and thank you for sharing that. How long have you been working in that space in in tech or this corporate job? If yes. you're comfortable sharing your age too. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm 25. I did a PM internship at Microsoft and then I came back to Microsoft and I've been here for three years full time. And I've been on three very different teams. I've been on a HoloLens research team. I've been on an enterprise product team and now I'm on a consumer product um, team. So each team has had a different culture, but I think there Mm. have been, you know, relating to this theme of like great resignation and burnout, there have been a lot of similarities and themes throughout these three teams. Gotcha. Nice. Oh, I have so many questions already. But Khan, <laughs> you have quite a journey too, which you shared in the previous episode. And I really encourage people to go check mm-hmm. that one out. It was, mm-hmm. I, I loved talking to you about all of those lessons learned. But to recap, and because you're at a different place now than when you were <laughs> on the show then, where, where, where's Tan joining this conversation from? Yeah, so... Previously, I was a software engineer at Google. I worked there for two years after having done a couple of internships as well. Um, But as of about a little over a year ago, I quit my job to go into film school. And so I just wrapped up my third semester in film school at USC. And I am kind of in that transitionary period of really exploring like what life outside of corporate looks like. I think school was a container for me to work on my skills and hone them. But now I'm kind of faced with this reality of like, oh, what would my career look like if it's not part of a company or would it be part of a company? And so Mm. I've definitely been meandering, wandering in all sorts of directions, um, which has been both challenging and scary at times, but also exciting to see all sorts of possibilities um, out there in the world. Love it. And that's, I think that's a very measured and mature way to look at it. And with an optimistic tone, because there's so many ways that it can be very intimidating Mm -hmm. and incredibly scary. Um, But thus is life. And that's where I get all mingy about it. But, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's been interesting for me. And uh, I'm just so, I'm in awe of both of you because I think there's such I, I, I'll say right out the gate that like, I don't know how I would deal with life if I were your age. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I, I entered the workforce in 2008 and I was, I took an extra year in college. I graduated 2008, even though I was like class of 07 in college because I wanted to go study abroad. I'd gone through a lot of like personal issues, but took that extra time. And so I felt even right out the gate that I was like a year behind my friends, mm-hmm. my peers, but it's been a very different time and a different economy. Because 2008 was, 
kind of a nightmare. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was the beginning of a very fragile and very fraught and stressful time for so many people who wanted to work and had paid a buttload of money to go to school mm-hmm. um, to then get that. So I just like, it's it's very different. And just again, the inter- intersection of like social media and like the expectations of life and things that I want to unpack with both of you. Um, it was just a very different time. So I'm very curious, like how I would have dealt with searching for the beginnings of a career, mm-hmm. what to do with my education. Um, I had graduated with public health and I was already at that time, much like Tan, like had this like very professional career that was, that seemingly laid out in front of me as a very bright future, potentially mm-hmm. if I work hard at it in public health and public policy and potentially med school to like, I'm going to go to Hollywood and, yeah. and, and do this thing that it was like a dream since I was little, but I had never thought was a realistic option. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I meandered too. I, I went from working in public health for a few years, right out the gate after college and working in violence prevention, um, preventing violence in women and children for like almost four years. Then I switched to tech and I worked at Macy's.com for a couple of years and went super corporate, right? From being like total granola, (laughs) Oakland, public health, you know, having group lunches together, cooking vegan meals and like uh, learning what vegans were to begin with um, at that time to like very, very corporate world to then collaboration and going total grassroots nonprofit arts and entertainment. So I think collectively the three of us have like walked a very, very, very unique paths, but like not anything short of a lot of experience and a lot of education in in, in pursuing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious with this Great Re- what is like what is your interpretation? Can we start with that? Like, what is your interpretation of what the Great Resignation means? Because I think there's been a lot of myth busting that's been happening, and a lot of people that are trying to like gather the data of what is the Great Resignation. Because some people are like, you know, they're analyzing: is this blue collar work versus white collar? Are these remote workers that are all quitting? Are these like the people that are retiring early. There's a lot of different data points. So I'm curious, like, what's your perspective on it right up as of this moment? Yeah, I can start. So for some context, my closest friends are in healthcare. So they're in school to be nurses or to be doctors or they're in tech. So this is all coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I would define the great resignation as people choosing to leave their jobs either for a new job in the same field, a new job in a different field, or just like to leave work altogether and be maybe like a content creator or something more freelance. And it's because they realize that they deserve better than what they're getting. They're losing Mm -hmm. faith in institutions to give Mm -hmm. them the opportunities they deserve. And they feel like they're better off going towards their goals in a different environment, whether that environment is a new job, um, a new company, or a new environment being like, hey, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to go freelance. So I'd say that's a little bit about like some of the things I think that are motivating people to resign and what people are like hoping to get out of resigning. Very cool. Ooh, love. Tan? Yeah, I would pretty much agree with everything Sophia just said. Um, Funnily, I actually had not heard of this term, the great resignation, until recently. And Mm. I don't know if it's because I've been in school and so there's a little bit of a bubble there. But also, I guess like a lot of aspects of the great resignation of people leaving their jobs to focus on like their well-being for it to 
go for things that they know that they deserve, that they aren't getting from their workplaces. I had also just kind of interpreted that as a generational thing. Like for Mm -hmm. people my age, I think a lot of people are more informed about microaggressions, gaslighting, about Mm -hmm. all the different potential negative impacts that could subtly just just kind of skirt by you. I think there's a lot of information out there with people's experiences that let people just immediately notice the green and red flags in a workplace. And so Mm. once you notice like a certain amount of red flags and you hear about other opportunities that through personal anecdotes, they are doing much better or seem to be doing much better. It's like, well, then why would I stay in this job? Mm. And so that has also been my own experience of like, I switched teams pretty frequently as well when I was in the corporate workplace. And there was a little bit of for in terms of my resignation, there was the passion project that I wanted to do, which was filmmaking, but also the aspect of like, well, I don't think this environment is actually best for me mm-hmm. and actually nourishing me in the way that I had hoped it would. And so I think there is this, for me at least, I feel like the theme is understanding that financial stability is something that I was taught growing up to prioritize. Mm. And now that I am working, I realize that there are a lot of other factors that I am now considering that I wasn't aware of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm. I feel like to me, this seems like a generational thing, but also I have heard about through the, I guess the ways that people are breaking down the great resonation that there are people in their mid careers who are now quitting. And so I mm-hmm. don't have a lot of insight into that, um, into that realm. And so I'd be curious, Vinji, since you are someone who's a little bit older with a little bit more experience than us, like how you've been interpreting their great resignation yourself. Ah, oh, I have so many, ah, oh, I, I love your guys. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, from what I understood, I was very unhealthily attached to the news since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. So I think I was very curious. I, I, I consumed a lot of, uh, things from like the daily from the New York times that they're mm-hmm. very much keeping a watchful eye on what the pandemic was going to do to our economy, obviously, because we were shutting down and quarantine and isolated. We had no idea what the future of the prognosis of this, when we could get a vaccine, all that stuff. Right. So my, uh, introduction to the great resignation started last year when people were covering that a lot of people were going into early retirement mm-hmm. slash the service industry. Because restaurants and all these things that we had been frequenting all the time, leisure, hospitality, that very, you know, blue collar workers and a lot of people that had been really fundamental to like our daily lives, baristas and and bartenders and like all these different people in the service industry were like losing their jobs very quickly. And when we were starting to open back up again in the spring because the vaccines were introduced that they were not coming back. Right. And they're like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to. And I heard so many great stories because they were doing these deep dives um, to understand why are people not coming back to work? People had all sorts of speculation on, okay, we're giving you, um, you know, a check from the government or you're getting unemployment. And there are all sorts of like accusations flowing around about. You know, and this has became like a liberal versus conservative conversation. This this is the way that I was like viewing all of it and trying to pay attention of like, you know, oh, you're just you're spoiled and you don't want to work. And people would, you know, have a rebuttal to that and be like, no, I don't want to be exploited. I don't want to kill myself in in a restaurant where I'm getting screamed at by someone who doesn't want to wear a mask and then be making less than minimum wage. You know, like there are a lot mm-hmm. of deep 
policy-driven cultural things that were emerging out of like, I cannot sacrifice and I will not sacrifice the quality of my life in yeah. order to like, so it was like a big, I think, uh, pushback on capitalism. Mm-hmm. So there was like a lot of that that I was witnessing from like the news and the podcasts that I was listening to in following the trends and the what people are going through with the pandemic while also like seeing that my friends were all working um, remotely and doing all these zoom calls and like that too. Right. Like a lot of my friends are definitely in that universe where they had some more job security, but the quality of their life and like managing the stress of being at home and friends of mine are married with children, right? Like Mm -hmm. trying to run meetings around the clock and take calls and do emails while you have a screaming child, there's no, you know, school available and they're losing their minds. So it was a very mixed bag that I mm-hmm. was watching. Um, but in general, I think at the core of it was this giant upheaval that the numbers were like skyrocketing. I think it's really skyrocketed in April and they thought that was a pinnacle and they just kept getting higher of the number of people that were like, I'm out, <laughs> figure it out, I'm leaving. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was happening through this fall. So that's... It's just a big upheaval of like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm over it. I'm yeah, not you doing it. You make this. a good point about how the pandemic is so intertwined with this phenomenon, too, mm-hmm. because what you mentioned with that story of your of your friend who didn't want to get yelled at by a customer who like refused to wear the mask, I think there's also been this re-education or reinforcement of boundary setting as well of people really needing to hone in on like what are their priorities like it's Mm -hmm. happening in so many different aspects of our lives like you hear about people who are online dating people who are wanting to find real relationship but then they have to be very clear about their values be like hey what is your stance on COVID? Like, what is your stance mm-hmm. on wearing masks? Because if you don't want to wear a mask and I want to wear a mask, like, this isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. Like, even that kind of example just go, seeps into the workplace as well. And it kind of goes back to that well-being aspect that I really resonate with of what are ways that I want to make, like, especially in a time where there's so many stressors out there with the global pandemic, what are ways that I can take control back into my life and have some agency? And sometimes that is leaving your job. Sometimes that is moving to a new team. Sometimes that is exploring other opportunities to see what else is out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, Tan, I loved your point about like your perspective and stories from your life about how the pandemic intersects with the great resignation. From what I've seen in my workplace, I work with a lot of colleagues who are parents who are supporting their parents, also their children. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, you know, Microsoft has this great policy where you can take um, a lot of time away to take care of your family. And a lot of, so you have people leaving and taking time away for very good and valid reasons, but that doesn't change the amount of work that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And so the workload for the existing team members is just growing and growing. And that's when you would turn to your leadership and hope like, hey, you've talked about committing to giving us work-life balance. You've talked about, um, you know, making this a place where we can balance all the different aspects of our lives and we can stand and we can, you know, Um, when we can have our boundaries respected. But when leadership is really tested, I think that's when a lot of times people end up being disappointed by the lack of follow through and the lack of like real commitment. Like, so for example, something that I've been frustrated by is when leadership will say, hey, everyone, please take your vacation. But Mm -hmm. then there's no change (laughs) to the workload. And so, and now I'm in this position where like, okay, 
if my colleague takes vacation, good for them, but that means there's going to be more work on me. Or it's like, I don't want to take vacation because I don't want to be the reason my teammates are even more burned out. And I, there are a lot of like articles about people like, you know, assessing like, why are people burned out? What helps people stay engaged? And people often say like, oh, hey, like if you feel a sense of community, if you have friends at work that can help you with, you know, counteract burnout. But I Mm -hmm. actually kind of have a hot take. I think that if you're really committed to your team and yeah, like your teammates and you're really committed to their well-being, that actually leads to more burnout because I just think about like, hey, if I want to take a break or a vacation and I look at my teammate and they're already struggling, I just can't bring myself to go take a break, right? And so this is just like, that's kind of how I've been seeing the loop of like, you know, the pandemic, people need to take time away. Workload doesn't change. Leadership isn't doing enough to ensure that people have a reasonable workload. And then now it's just up to the non-leadership people to kind of take it for the team and keep grinding through two years worth of the pandemic. I think it's hard when work-life balance is a word that's also like just tossed around all the time, but balance looks different for different people. Mm -hmm. Um, They're there is a reason why, so Google actually doesn't do unlimited PTO. And there's been a study that's been done where even though unlimited PTO sounds really great, let's say like you do want to take advantage of that, but then you see other team members who are working constantly because they just choose not to take vacation days because they don't want to. Then you feel a lot of pressure to not take advantage of the unlimited PTO that you do Mm -hmm. have so Mm -hmm. that you can help, you can be matching the expectations that is being set Mm -hmm. in the culture that's being set by these other teammates. And so Mm -hmm. I thought that was really fascinating. And it really shows how, you know, being in person, I feel like you also are very easily influenced by how people are. Like if you see everyone else working really hard, then you become Mm -hmm. more motivated to work really hard. And I wonder if during the pandemic, that's, there are some aspects of that that are a little bit more challenging to see, but also in some ways, like if you see that someone is logged off and offline, that can add even more pressure back to Sophia's point of the workload isn't changing. I still have to keep working right. and meet the deadlines that have been placed upon me that are on this pa- piece of paper that I've been given. Absolutely. Totally. And I think, you know, I, I used to, I work in tech, so we used to all work in the same office space together. Um, now that we don't, it's less obvious how hard people are working. Like, yeah. I don't think mm. our leadership team is aware that many of us are putting in 12, 13, 14 hours. We're logging off for dinner and then coming back on and working till one or two. And yeah. you just, when you're not in the same physical space as someone, you don't really see that, right? Like if, if Minji, you were sitting next to me and I saw you falling asleep at your desk, like just in tears and frustration. Okay. That would make a very big impact on me. But now all I see is like, you know, a little green dot on my screen and I might not even notice that you're there and that the green dot represents you being awake and having stuff to do at 2 a.m. 100%. There's a, and there's a, there's a, it's a shift in obviously the lifestyle and this very dramatic pivot that we all had to acclimate to everybody Mm -hmm. to go from like, what are the cues that we can follow to know that we're on the right track saying Mm -hmm. like, yeah, comparatively speaking, am I pulling my weight? How can I know that compared to like my counterpart who I can't know except for that green dot that you see, Mm -hmm. these are all different, like such dramatic shifts of like self-assessment and assessment of your peers. And Mm -hmm. 
I'm very fascinated by this because as a freelancer, I've been working on my own, like making my own hours and on my hustle in this particular space for what, almost four years now. Mm. And there was a part of me that really envied corporate life because I looked at it like, at least there's security, you know where the hell your, your next check is coming from, which the pandemic like turned on its head and like, you don't know, you don't know. Um, but I was just, I, I had a different problem of like, if I'm not productive, I don't eat. Like, right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how to stop. And I had the fear of like, how do I, what do I know about what, where my benefits are going to come? I pay for all my benefits. Mm-hmm. And so I would get very, I'm just being real. When I look at my friends, sometimes through the, these like different lenses of like, I have to pay for everything. And my PTO is like when I say, but I also means I could miss out on a gig that could pay my bills the next month. Mm-hmm. Um, that like I would get very salty towards some of my friends and like their moments. I had to get checked on that. That I was like at moments when I was feeling stressed out and depleted and like exhausted. And I was like, I have no security. Um, and I'm trying to build that on my own. I'd be like, y'all are crying, dude. Like stop. I would feel that towards friends of like, you make a very cushy salary. You have your healthcare bet. If you get COVID, like you're more okay than I am. Like mm-hmm. stuff like that would emerge out of me. And it was very fascinating how much I would like have compassion or not towards friends. Like when I actually hear what they're really going through and what their plate is actually like, mm-hmm. my perception of that was very different versus mm-hmm. like once we had these conversations and had some exposure. And even what I'm saying with the listening to those podcasts about what, yeah, what blue collar workers are going through. Like I can't, Oh my God, I can't even deal with looking in the news and seeing like these reactions. Having somebody interacting with like those kind of people (laughs) on a day-to-day basis in my face, like, how can you like, yeah, get up out of bed every day and be like, I'm going to go to work today. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to do my best. You know what I mean? When all you're trying to do is create some level of security and safety for yourself, for your family and the people you love. So it's very fascinating to me for, I just inserting that because I was learning that and realizing how much resentment I harbored and how much I didn't understand about, again, grass is always greener, guys. It, that that thing, like, we're learning as hopefully as we mature is that the grass is not greener. It's mm-hmm. not, like, everyone has their their respective burdens. And, yeah. yeah, it was very different for me when I remember, like, I can go back and remember how, it, you know, I felt that obligation towards my teammates, which is a beautiful thing to feel like I'm going to work hard because I don't give a damn about your product. I care about Jess over here. Like Mm -hmm. I care about making her day better by not her having to do all this by herself. That's Mm -hmm. I think that that camaraderie is actually also really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Not to over romanticize it, but um, there's a lot of different motivations. I think what we're identifying. Yeah, I really resonate with what you just said, Minji, because now that I've been a little over a year away from corporate life, there mm-hmm. definitely like I knew that there were things I were I was probably taking for granted while working corporate right out of college, but there was no way really for me to really understand until I left. And so now that I've left, I have a much greater appreciation for how seamless a lot of things at Google were, how easy it was for me to just pick a benefit package and be like, okay, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to think Mm -hmm. about this in any shape or form. Um, I don't get that luxury anymore. And I didn't, I didn't interpret it as a luxury back in the day. I was like, oh, I don't, 
I'm just presented with all these choices by mm-hmm. this company and I don't know what to do. And I felt really overwhelmed then. But now I'm like, wow, I wish I had the choice to be <laughs> able to choose between many different options. Mm-hmm. And so it is very interesting to like I was logically aware that I'm going to be interpreting things as the grass is always greener on the other side, but mm-hmm. it is a different experience to have that in front of you. And I think I say this still, but I still think back to my days in corporate and I'm like, is it like, would I redo, would I do anything different? Do I regret leaving corporate? And I think the answer is no, because mm. I think still there were a lot of issues in the workplace and a lot of cultural aspects that I didn't really resonate with that still I stand by right now. And I think it is this constant reprioritization that I'm doing in my life as the pandemic evolves, as my career evolves, as I evolve. And I think it's just hard because with corporate life, you can very easily, I I felt like I could very easily just get into this routine where I'm like, I felt like I was settling or I felt like I wasn't really figuring out what I wanted to do with my life because they're the first thing that people talk about to me is the financial security. And then I have that right in front of me. And so why should I consider anything else was mm-hmm. kind of the cycle I found myself in. And I was really unhappy with myself as a result because I was like, I don't know, like, is there anything better? I, I've, Everyone's telling me that there isn't anything better. So should I just stay was the question I had for a really long time. Mm-hmm. That's a big question. I think it's a very mature question because – I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to assume, but I do know there's, there's, it, it, it comes at different points in your life based on what you're prompted. Mm. Either like your parents are getting old and they get sick and you need to kind of step up or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Or you meet someone and you want to build a life with them. Suddenly perspectives change. We change as people a lot, right? And we're prompted at different points to reflect. I do know friends, especially like in my twenties, there are friends that like they coasted and like, there's part of me that judged them for that because they didn't ask that question. Is there anything better? They're just like, nah, this is great. I'm like, let's go to a happy hour, <laughs> right? Like there's <laughs> there's a very comfortable, especially in my 20s. Like, again, it wasn't so full of turmoil the way your 20s are. Mm-hmm. Your 20s are very different than mine, right? And I, I had the 20s in San Francisco where friends were spending exorbitant amounts of money on whiskey all the time. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, like, is this the extent of your... And there was judgment in me, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, my God, like... <laughs> Is this the hardest part of your life? Is like, oh, my, my happy hour tab, shit, it's too, you know. But like, and I have no, I knew nothing about what's really going on in their life. But like, I, my observations were, I don't know if they were asking, like, is this the best? They were really coasting. And like, me as a 30, 36-year-old woman, I'm like, well, like, men, let them enjoy it, you know? Yeah, like, there's nothing wrong with that, actually. Um, we were just, for some reason taught or like there was just something in the society culture that led us to believe like oh you should never be settling or you should never be coasting because you spend so much of your life like in school and college like always aiming to be the best and aiming for the next Mm -hmm. goal right in front of you and I think it's confusing in the corporate workplace where yeah like the next thing would be a promotion Mm -hmm. but that also you would you know that with that promotion comes more responsibility and I think I was faced Mm -hmm. with that question of like do I actually want to be even more responsible when I'm also still juggling trying to figure out how to balance my work life (sighs) so (laughs) good question yeah I also wanted to mention um Alongside the pandemic, there is also social media, as we had mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the rise of 
Clubhouse at some point. I don't really know if people are on Clubhouse anymore, <laughs> but also the rise of TikTok. And I think those two platforms come to mind as like there was definitely a huge yearning for people to want to hear about, you know, different stories, different backgrounds, like different success stories, even. And like I'm just amazed because my roommate right now, she's been going live on TikTok. She has over like, I don't know, like 15K followers at this point. And she got so quickly monetized after a thousand followers. And so mm. to be able to see how quickly she was able to, you know, invite an income by doing something on her own that she just she, all she did was like turn on her camera and press record mm. and she was just on it for a couple hours. Like, I think that was a big expansion of possibilities for me too. And I think I wonder if that's how other people see it as well, of like seeing people making money through social media or through all these other a- a- avenues and that yeah. corporate life isn't the only way that you can make money now. Oh my mm. gosh, Tan, I just see so much connection between the social media piece and the pandemic and overwork and exploitation piece. Because I think in the workplaces that I've experienced, even if you're putting in your all, there are sometimes when like your work isn't recognized. And there are people who did much less, who just spent their time schmoozing, who are rewarded and who are seen, and you just feel like so insufficiently acknowledged. Oh. Um And then that kind of just gets you thinking, like, why am I working so hard only to have so little control over the ultimate outcome? And I Mm. think with something like being a creator, like, okay, there's a ton of challenges with that. But there is something about how, like, you're not putting faith in your leadership chain to reward Mm. you appropriately. You're the one who's directly responsible for and has, like, a direct sense of agency over Mm. yourself and your career. And I think there's something about like investing in yourself, investing in your own brand, right? Especially with like the creator economy and with creators, like who you are, that's your brand. And people can't really take that away from you, right? Like, Mm. whereas in the workplace, if your immediate teammates see you as really competent, but your leadership doesn't see it, it doesn't really matter. Whereas Mm. If you're on TikTok, if you're a creator on, if you're a podcaster, if you're a singer songwriter, essentially, like if you do well, no matter what platform you go to, no matter what you do, you're still accruing that brand for yourself. And it just feels like such a more, it's so compelling to have that direct sense of agency over your success. Mm. Sophia, I feel very seen right now. No, I feel like that's like a direct, uh, I think the thing that maybe I sometimes, I I think less and less, but like in the past, I've definitely taken for granted in terms Mm -hmm. of like Tan's expressing like, oh, she's taken her benefits and like that seamlessness of a company taking care of a lot of things that a freelancer has to as an artist. But you're totally right. And I think that's something that I am working on having more gratitude towards. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I, it is a freaking tough hustle. And yes, it is an expensive thing to live in LA and to try to eat a healthy diet and to have some kind of, you know, space for my own mental health and all that stuff. Yes, there are very, a lot of challenges and the imposter syndrome and the numbers comparison and feeling like you're overlooked by audiences, by other, other people who kind of validate or invalidate you. But the part that you said about the agency and feeling like I'm the captain of my ship, that part is, it is very real. And that's something I do really appreciate, which is what I, when I was reflecting on, do I want to go back to corporate? Like really <laughs> considering, should, and I've thought about this many, many different times over the last, you know, since I started working with uh, collaboration, which is 2013, mm. I've, I've contemplated that, but that's something that I personally at this p- point am not willing to give up 
And we'll see. I mean, we can reevaluate this in like a year or two or five. It might be different if I become a mother or whatever. Um, but right now it's like I have so much joy in that autonomy. Even like I'll deal with the crap mm-hmm. because I don't want to give that up, that yeah. agency, that freedom. Mm-hmm. And sure. uh, it's a lot. And that's very well put. I just feel very validated because you <laughs> you're seeing that um i this conversation is incredible but we're gonna take a really quick break and be right back to talk more about the great resignation and continue this awesome conversation will you even say goodbye hey sharon hey Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Raman and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. You know I'm stuck with you. You make it seem like I And we're back. Thanks for taking a break with us, guys. Oh, you guys. Um, okay, so to get back into this conversation, we've we've touched on so many things about different motivations, different um shifts in in culture, expectations, the pandemic. Curious, you know, there's definitely a culture shift, and I'm curious, like what you're seeing in your friends. Cause like, so Sophia, you're at Microsoft town, you're in film school. And I know that you've, you've in a year, there's been a lot that's changed. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you guys are seeing in your peer group. Like what are your direct, I'm curious if you're, if you're down to spill the tea on your friends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) names, what are their, what are they doing? Are they just like finding a new job? Cause the other thing about the great resignation that people are analyzing is it's not necessarily everyone's just quitting. They're switching. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of switching that's happening. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. We were touching on that earlier. I want to go do this now. Um, what's happening in your guys' circles? And maybe even if you if you're going through that consideration, what are what are the switches and resignations you're seeing at Microsoft or at, in the film world and your old Google world? Mm-hmm. Time to go. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, funnily being in tech for so long, I feel like I don't have that many tech friends anymore. <laughs> um, like the few tech friends that I do have, I know that a lot of them have gone off to startups to work on com- work at companies or um, at places that have a mission statement that they really resonate with that mm. um, empowers them and gets them motivated to wake up every single day. Um, so that's one thing. I also feel like I have a lot of friends who have started like 
their own independent projects, uh, whether that's related to their work or not related to their work. I know that I have quite a couple of friends now who've released books, um, published books, Mm -hmm. which is really exciting. And I think that has given them a lot of fulfillment to feel like, again, they have the agency and freedom and they have their name on something that they can proudly show to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a mix of people who still have full-time jobs, maybe some people who've quit their jobs to work on that on their own. Um, But that's kind of where things are at. I honestly feel like for film school and people I know from film, I don't really feel like much has changed for them during this Mm -hmm. great resignation because we were already operating in a freelance gig type of world. If anything, I've been noticing like people are constantly on set all the time and I very much respect them for doing that because my body I don't think can handle being on set for more than a couple days a week at a time. But that is something that that is like probably the most significant thing I've noticed in terms of like people wanting to gain experience so that they can, you know, make those short films or those feature films that they've been wanting to make for a really, really long time. And now there is a lot of diversity initiatives that are out there that are giving them the platforms or the funds to be able to make those. Um, And so that's kind of where I see film. But otherwise, yeah, I think there is a lot of change happening. I don't really hear that many people who have been staying at the same place and aren't entertaining the idea of um, leaving at some Mm -hmm. point. Got it. Yeah, a lot of my friends have pursued things that feel more meaningful to them. For example, going from some people who were in software engineering feel like going into law um, was more meaningful, so they went to grad school. Um, Some other friends left their big tech companies and took a break, took six, seven months off. Um, And this was, you know, it's during the pandemic, so they can't really even travel, but they just took those six, seven months off to heal, to recenter themselves, to work out, to read books. And it's like a lot of my friends have done a lot of inner work to get to a point where they would be okay letting go of their job title and their salary to do that. And a lot of my friends have recommended me to do that too. They said, Sophia, when you're in your current job, there's just this sense of like loyalty to your current team. And also you don't have the space to really evaluate different opportunities. So a lot of my friends have recommended me to just quit, just to leave and really take time to find the next thing. Mm. Because I think the, I, I truly believe that the best investment of your, if you really wanted to find the next position that was perfect and or much better for you, I really think that staying in your current job is not really going to help you get there um, because you're just you're you're busy and you're occupied. But if you really took time off, um, then I think that gives you more time to prepare and more clarity about what you want. And then some other friends have managed to really balance their corporate jobs with their creative endeavors, like Erica Berry, for example. Um, she is still in sort of a consulting role, but she just wrote this awesome book um, called Don't Wait, Create. And we got to interview her on our podcast. And she's just doing all sorts of other fun, creative pursuits. And for her, um, the balance that she's pursuing is having a job that she's decently interested in, but doesn't derive all of her fulfillment and excitement from, um, Mm. and then just making space for other things. Nice. How about you, Minji? I feel like you're you know such a wide range of people like what are what are your loved ones doing i think there's a lot of reevaluation of what success means mm. right now um 
And I don't even know how conscious it is. I think it's kind of a, it's a survival. It's a byproduct of like needing to survive. Right. For example, like if you look at trends of like how people grow in careers, exactly what Tan said, when you get promoted, which everyone celebrates the promotion, Mm. they don't like, you're going to work like (laughs) two to seven times more. You know what I'm saying? Like, so congrats on getting more money, but like your life is going to be, you now you're, you went from being on a team of 20. Now you're running that team of 20. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that there's, um, that's a lot of my friends and I'm around a lot of really smart, high achieving people. And um, the burnout is real. And then, but there's also a lot of gratitude because some of them, a lot of them have families now. And so I think there's this, just this shift in perspective of like, you know, it's not as bad as I, I kept complaining it to be. There's some of that too. Like I, I can work remote. Am I happy all the time? No, but it's work. It's a job. It's not meant to be roses. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um So there's a lot of shifting happening and there's people that have, I mean, I'm around friends who have left jobs and not even just resignation in work, which were like the focus of this conversation. There's, there's relationships that have ended up, divorces have been happening. Um, and a lot of reevaluation of what does my life in terms of being fulfilled, being balanced, being healthy really mean? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who elevate, make more money, and this is like, I'm going to have the money uh, podcast, but like to talk about wealth and like people can also make more money. And then all of a sudden they're spending all of that money too. Do you know what I'm saying? And so suddenly now they're required to maintain this lifestyle that they got accustomed to. They can't settle for quote unquote, a different job that yeah, will be really fulfilling passions, but will not sustain their lifestyles. They got to make that choice. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to be able to travel to Bali and Hawaii, wherever, like, you know, every few months, because that's a lifestyle you've gotten acclimated to. Is that what you need to be happy and fulfilled? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of those things. And again, being around a lot of high achievers, everyone is very different. So it's also creating space for me to realize people have very different definitions of what success means. Mm-hmm. And it's not on us to keep shoving that down people's throats. Yeah. That's something that has angered me a lot as a Korean American woman. And that's, you know, millennial. I've gotten very tired of, Gen X and boomers and people older than me prescribing to me all the time of like what my life is supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do to get it. Mm -hmm. That is something that's irritated the crap out of me pretty much my entire life. And that's my personality, my rebellious nature and be like, Mm -hmm. says who? Like, who are you to tell me? Um, But I see that. And I'm curious from your guys' perspective because there is this berating, like I, as a millennial, the the amount of millennial like side eyes and like ah so such a millennial issue we got so much shit for mm-hmm. having any sort of demands quote unquote and again you can reframe any word right you're yeah. so demanding you're so entitled and you're so soft and you're so like you have no grit and blah 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 right conversely I could also reframe it to be like no we just don't want to tolerate abuse and exploitation and we don't want to we I don't if my idea of success is not the same as you I don't care about becoming you know a seven-figure gazillionaire with a fucking you know that's not my idea like Mm -hmm. don't project on me therefore demanding that I take all your verbal emotional psychological financial abuse or whatever it is Mm -hmm. to have that frame to me as demanding and entitled 
there is a solid argument to counter that in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm curious what you guys think, because there is that constant, you know, generational view, especially, you know, when you're looking at someone younger than you, like, you guys are so soft and you guys just, you complain at everything. Do you guys get that? Do you, do you feel that in any way from like older generations or have you encountered those conversations at all? Mm. I mean, I think the, in terms of generational differences that parents come to mind first and Mm -hmm. surprisingly my parents have been quite understanding of me going into film which I would have not expected at all right um especially when my parents were very much like you need to go to a good school you need to go get a good job at a good company and you need to make a certain amount of money or actually not even a certain amount of money if you can get more money keep getting more money and I think I quickly crumbled from that because I ended up asking myself like what do I even want to do with that kind of money (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I see friends who you know go on a lot of trips around this the states as well as worldwide and this is also like like this was happening during the time I was in corporate but it's also happening right now because I have a really good friend who she quit her product management job and has been literally traveling the world, like enjoying her best life, surfing and partying it up, like in all of the different countries. And I see that and I'm like, in her, she had like an Instagram post that talked about how this was the life she had always wanted to have. Like mm-hmm. she had always wanted to be someone who could travel the world, see so many things, like get to make all these serendipitous friendships with people. And I was watching that and, you know, being inspired by it. But then I also had to ask myself, is that what I want? Like, do mm-hmm. I want to travel? Do I want to be doing those things? Mm-hmm. And I think something that I've just been conscious of with myself is that I can be very quickly impressionable, and which is why, like, you know, for XYZ reasons, I have had the path that I've had. But going to film school, or, like choosing to do film was like one of the first times that I was like, oh, I want to do this. And I don't see anyone else mm-hmm. around me wanting to do that, which was a really big factor and a big indicator to me that this would be something I'd want to do like I'm not just doing this because other people want to do it yeah um yeah so that's Mm. kind of like where my train of thought went there good for you yeah thank you (laughs) I think my parents have been whenever I complain to them about work they have been very supportive because I think they have never judged me or questioned my frustration I would say Minju to your point of you know has anyone interpreted your like my demands as like you know asking for too much I do experience like a very particular uh, version of that where there have been leaders who say hey you get the opportunity to work on such an impactful important technology and it's true I've gotten to work on um, technologies that help frontline workers that help teachers right people who are so impacted by the pandemic Mm -hmm. and their argument is like hey very few people have the opportunity to work on something they're passionate about. So if you're, if you're getting to have that opportunity, like, isn't it kind of fun or like cool to get to like, even have a chance to work on something so impactful and like, doesn't it make all the work worthwhile? And like, Mm -hmm. if you truly felt bought in to our mission, then you wouldn't be minding all of this work, Mm. but Ooh, I have so many thoughts about this, but what I would say in response to leaders like this is, like, first of all, um, just be, like the people who are the most passionate are also the ones who take successes and failures to heart most, like, most closely. And so, 
if I'm really passionate about this work, but I don't feel supported and I feel like I can't do my best work, I'm actually even more devastated and sad and likely to speak up. Mm. And I would say a second thing is that burnout, this feeling of burnout, it isn't because I'm unmotivated or unpassionate. It's because it's caused, and I'm actually going to read a quote by, um, a psychologist called Adam Grant, he says, burnout isn't due to a lack of motivation. It's caused by a shortage of capacity. There are mm. more interesting people and projects than hours in the day. The key question isn't whether you have interest. It's whether you have bandwidth. Enthusiasm is boundless. Time is infinite. And so for to all the leaders who just can't really make sense of why people are speaking up and asking for more reasonable workloads. I hope you can take these perspectives and stories to heart. Mm -hmm. And with that too, like what the leadership is saying is riddled with so many assumptions of like, okay, what you think is impactful might not actually be what I think is impactful. Like Mm -hmm. you think impact, impact is like hitting, like getting to reach millions and millions of users, but maybe the impact that I care about is like the impact that it has on a really close loved one that Mm -hmm. we're targeting this to. And I think there's all these like small misalignments or things that we're not really encouraged in school or in the workplace to think about and to be self-reflective on because we're so focused on doing and putting things out into the world and like trying to get feedback from people that we are on the right track, but what is even the right track at that point? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And what's the metric that we're using, right? Mm -hmm. That's a very, as my little foray into being an entrepreneur, which I'll say, I'll say for another more expansive conversation on, but a, a key takeaway that I'm learning is like going into that space during COVID was learning that I don't really want to run a company. Like, mm-hmm. sorry to be a spoiler alert, but like there's there's a lot behind that. But these accolades and this, this kind of, what am I getting out of being the top dog, right? Mm-hmm. And there's and what am I getting out of having the highest salary and every out of everybody, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, for, for me at least, as somebody that I've considered very type A, ambitious go-getter, that I've been praised for and applauded my whole life, right? And I've gained a lot of, things, wonderful experiences, a lot of lessons out of it. My current state where I kind of land is I've learned a lot of those are not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Some of them were completely worth it. And I'm glad I went for it. I'm glad I achieved. I'm glad I proved that I could endure and persevere it, overcome, do mm-hmm. things that I didn't know I was capable of. And that comes from that grit and like pushing past what you perceive to be your capacity. So it's very sometimes contradicting in me that I'm such a believer in like power through, right? Mm -hmm. And also no one to pull back and know that that's like, dude, you're just trying to get, I'm sorry, I'm doing a lot of inner child healing, right? Like you're just trying to get validation from something that ain't going to really fill that hole. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You're, You're clinging to a title and you're clinging to significance that you derive out of a name, out of making a buttload of money, out of getting like being able to do things that you can then put on social media and get everybody to applaud you for. Mm-hmm. There's a lot back there that I personally at, at 36 years old, I'm like, yo, that was, I learned a lot. So I'm grateful for the lesson. Therefore I wouldn't change it, but mm-hmm. it's educating my choices now that I'm like, I don't, what I perceived at that time to be like the goal and the motivation mm. it was a little bit, it was a little bit, unhealed, if you will. It was, it was, it was coming from a place that needed something that that thing couldn't give me. Mm, You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot of this evaluation that's happening and maybe it's not that deep for everybody, but I do think it is deep for a lot of people where they're like, 
whose idea of success am I following? You know what I'm saying? Like, so you're praising me when I, and I'm saying this a lot to women too, because I'm, I get preachy about this, but I really am recognizing this in myself and other people, especially with women that are just on a Pavlovian basic psychology level. We're rewarded when we're accommodating, nice, kind, and those are not bad things. It's good to be helpful to others. It's good to be a kind person, right? I have never, I've rarely, if ever in my life, been applauded for saying no, for Mm. having a boundary, for saying this is enough. I can't do it. This hurts. I've been chastised for it. I've been condemned. I've been ridiculed. I've been like, you know, put in my, like, that's not, you're not being a helpful, nice, helpful, accommodating Mm. person. And you're not getting the achievement in your, so I'm just looking and taking data points of like, where have I been given praise and support? And where have I not been given support where I might've needed it? And I didn't get it. Mm So those are big things to ask. And like, I don't know what the answers are for anybody else, but for yeah. myself, like I've, I've chased a lot of things that I expected and hoped to get something that I didn't get yeah. at least half the time. I can't be like, oh, maybe it's nine out of 10. Maybe it's five out of 10. I don't know. But a lot of the time I didn't get out of it what I wanted, which was mm-hmm. significance, which is to feel value, which is to make impact. And there's a lot of paths to get there. It's not always having a six, seven figure salary, you know, because there's a cost to that too. You're going to be, some people can look at it. You're beholden to a company that's going to make you work for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Minji. I just love everything you're saying about like redefining success and kind of taking apart this very common conflating of growth and ambition. Um, I, there's a woman at, there's a colleague at my workplace. Um, she's a mother of two and Mm -hmm. she is a very talented product manager, but she has actively chosen to not chase this management chain and to go up despite having so much experience and expertise. Mm -hmm. And the way she explained it was that you kind of think of moving up the ladder as like, you know, I'm like a Pokemon, I'm like evolving and I'm not like a full Pokemon until I get to the top, right? But actually every level is a different job. Like what you have right now is a legit full job. What you're doing now is a very, it's, it's a different job than being like getting promoted to manager. Like if you don't want the job of being a manager, then don't go up that ladder, stay where you are now and like explore different paths and you can, and growing doesn't have to be vertical. Growing can be horizontal too, right? Because she took she made the decision to have a boundary on her professional life. She was able to grow in so many other areas, um, grow her family. She was able to grow different interests. And like, it was just like, she is an amazing example of someone who's so talented, who could have gone up any ladder that she chose, yeah. but decided to cap her title at a certain point where she was no she wasn't interested in evolving further she was very happy with the state she was in and then she just grew in other directions i love that analogy um i'm glad that she's happy as a pikachu and not doesn't have to evolve into a raichu (laughs) but it's also like just going back to minji how you were saying that you were admitting that you actually don't run a run a company like i've kind of been going through a very similar thought process when it comes to directing because directing is like the immediate leadership role that you think of and is the most like just acclaimed and name recognition. And I'm realizing for myself that I don't really like 
to have to make a lot of decisions, like every single nitty gritty decision. And mm-hmm. I find that as a director, that is the director's responsibility to do that. And I'm finding myself like wrestling with that idea of myself of, oh, like I am ambitious. I'm type A. I'm a leader. Like I wanted to go out and do all these things, but mm-hmm. I'm feeling bad that I don't want to make a lot of decisions that I'd actually prefer to trust other people that I'm working mm-hmm. with to make those decisions for me. Yep. And that's just because that hasn't been modeled for me. Like that the current way that directing has been modeled for me is that the director is the one who has every single detail laid out and then like the people that they're working with just kind of like execute. And so that's something that I've been kind of coming to terms with and putting to rest. And I think also like so much, I just, again, like so many applauses to that coworker of yours, Sophia, because mm-hmm. um, that's really hard when like people are only being recognized, only, only the people who have that name brand title are being recognized or being invited mm-hmm. to mentor folks or to give, to influence people outside of their immediate circle too. And so- mm-hmm. That's that does require just so much self-awareness and groundedness and just being happy with knowing that you know what you want, even if other people say otherwise. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. I love that. I actually have a friend that I'm very lucky. She's a bit older and she's worked for the same company. She comes from a different generation and she's worked for the same company for over 30 years. And that's a rarity, right? For mm-hmm. at least my generation, we're very used to like, if you're at a company for like five plus years, you're like, whoa, bro, like, are you stagnating? Like, are you okay? Are you, do you have Stockholm syndrome? Like what's going on? But like, that's, that's the culture we grew up with, right? You're supposed to hop around and you're supposed to kind of climb this ladder and, and optimize. Right. And like, he, but like I see her and she has done basically what you, your friend did. And she elected at different points because she's a mother has multiple children and has a husband and like a life and a very rich community life. She didn't, she was fine with that. And she's still working there and she still has great benefits and she's happy as a clam. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, I just adore her and I'm very inspired by her. I don't think that that's necessarily my path, but like just having her as a point of reference was very reassuring to me that like people can choose their own path and you don't have to like replicate because not everyone's made to run a company. And that's what I think the experience part with like all these startups and your friends may learn this. I'm saying, Sophia, they're going to the startup world. There's a lot that you learn from there and it's a lot of chaos. (laughs) And it's, but it's like, that's kind of also to be very romantic about it. That's like the beauty of life. It's to Mm -hmm. fail forward and to like try different things and to have the agency to do that. So Mm -hmm. what I think is very interesting and people can have different uh, viewpoints on like, what that says about a generation or a group of people that they're entitled or that whatever, you know, they could get negative. I can, I, I do also, I imagine that there are people there that are really entitled that can't really accept their blessings or like see the gratitude where they have it. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's a natural part of evolution is that we outgrow other things. And like, mm-hmm. that's a good thing to not tolerate sexual harassment in the workplace, to not get paid a fair wage, to deal with inflation and the cost of living for basic, you know, basic living costs. That is what we've done to so many Americans at least in this country with our culture of like obsession with work and having so much attachment to like our work identity being so much of our identity period Mm -hmm. to not properly pay people is inhumane. That is exploitation. It is, 
it is terrible. And like, I'm glad that people are like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You can't expect me to do this kind of work for pennies so that I can't mm-hmm. live. And you want me to sacrifice my well-being, my life, my time, my energy, mm-hmm. so that somebody at the top can make a, a buttload of money off of my labor. Mm-hmm. So that I can be exploited. I'm very grateful on that front that there is this intolerance for that. Mm-hmm. That we're like, no more. You don't do that. Yeah. Why do people assume the status quo is good? The status quo could be awful. It could be like <laughs> rules that people in power set to oppress the rest of us. Like, it's great that people are speaking up about it. And in fact, um, there was a tweet that I saw recently because, you know, there's a lot of talk about great resignation, uh, burnout. This woman says, um, I prefer you, why I prefer using the term exploitation over burnout. Burnout makes it about worker feelings. Exploitation draws our attention to employer practices and policies, Mm. which require structural solutions. And that really relates to your point because let's, let's, the focus shouldn't be on, oh my gosh, Sophia is so whiny. The focus should be on like, why are, why is there this consistent pattern of so many people asking for a fair wage? Like, could that mean that existing wages are not fair? Maybe. Um, yeah. So I, I love that shifting from uh, individual feelings to like systemic issues. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like, I think maybe just for humans in general, maybe it's just easier for us to like blame someone rather than Mm -hmm. blame a system because it feels too challenging and gargantuan to work against a system. Mm -hmm. Because I like what you just shared, Sophia, it made me think about how the first team that I was on Google, pretty much like by the time I left, everyone that I started on the team with was gone. (sighs) And it took my, it took the leadership and management like 10 months, 10 months to realize that maybe it's something going on that mm-hmm. they should look at. They just kind of saw like each leave, like each person departing as its own individual case. And it took them a very long time oh, to really gosh. piece it together and see it as a pattern. Mm-hmm. When to me, being in the thick of all of it all, I was like, it is very clearly a pattern. And I, the only reason I feel like I can't leave is because I've been told that I shouldn't leave in under a year um, from a team. Mm-hmm. And so that was... I don't know. I just think that example is just very illuminating to how like word choice, it can be so impactful and how we can be so quick to just blame people when actually like maybe we could take a step back and think about like, okay, what were the processes that were laid down or the way that things happened that could actually be changed? And that has led to people maybe seeming like they don't, they're not motivated. They don't want to show up to work, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll say this as, as, as the big sister from like having been in part of many different organizations and watched and witnessed how a lot of big corporations from giant studios to like, yeah, Macy's.com to whatever and everything in between. And my friends being like, again, very, I feel very privileged that I'm friends and I get to ask questions of people that work for the companies that really do drive our world for the Googles, mm-hmm. for the Facebooks. Oh, I'm sorry, Meta. And like all mm-hmm. the the pros and cons and everything in between um, from the rises and falls and failures. There's, it's good to ask and see also where you can leverage. Like quitting is an option. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying people ought to not quit. Are there also other ways to leverage your position of power, your value to a company to drive change? 
That is also something like you don't necessarily want to. I'm saying this from my friends who like have a lot at stake. If they were, they can't. And this is something that's a difference of generations. What you have available is an option maybe in, in your 20s versus your 30s or whenever it is that you choose to take make certain decisions, right? That if you're supporting, you know, your parents too. There's I have friends that have been, I didn't know that they were like financially supporting their parents right out mm-hmm. since college. A lot of situations that we don't know anything about. But if you're if if quitting Without another job lined up and having no job security, it's not an option. There's also other ways that I want to encourage people to have that grit and to have that craftiness. And that's where creativity and innovation comes from is like, you need to, like, we need to change this. This this isn't working anymore. We're not, we're not doing this. And so I think that's where I'm very fascinated in awe of people that use that as an opportunity to challenge upper leadership to whatever, you know, shift the team dynamic to get enough critical mass to create systemic change, right? And I think that's also available to people if for if for somebody like quitting cold turkey right then and there and taking six months to, to, to find themselves, if that's your option, that's incredible. Like, holy crap. Um, and if it's not at that moment, there's other ways that you can still flex to make change. And it can be very incremental and small, but it can still do that. And that's the part of me that's still very, very like power through, you know, and very like it's a mix of systemic change and personal responsibility. I want to empower people to have agency to see like, where do you want to make change in your life? Whether that's negotiating a raise or walking or saying like, yo, you can't, we're, we're going to, we're going to address the sexual harassment here. Cause I've seen way too much of this stuff and we're not going to holding accountability. Right. And mm-hmm. there's just so many options and in that in and of itself can be really overwhelming and people need breaks and we're dealing with a pandemic still. And yeah. you know, it's a lot, but um, I hope like our conversation, I feel very empowered right now. I feel so much more educated of like what the temperature is in different areas that I'm not witnessing myself firsthand so i just feel grateful to both of you guys like sharing this with me yeah this was so fun and i loved getting your perspective as someone in a different industry who has friends in so many different industries and you're right i think quitting is often when people think great resignation people think oh resign equals quit but you're you're right it's a it's more of a switch it's more of a thoughtful switch than just uh, you know everyone's quitting like there's so many creative options and as long as you yeah as long as you like think about those possibilities and feel agency to pursue a possibility like that that's what we're advocating for here we're not advocating for like a one solution for sure definitely I think ultimately this whole conversation is just making me think that I just want everyone to be happy I just want everyone to have the balance that they want to have in their life I want them to all feel fulfilled whether that's through their work through family through relationships in any other way um and I think the great resignation is mainly it's a phenomenon that where yes a lot of people are quitting but hopefully that's just it's a time period where it encourages you to self-reflect and to think about your priorities and what you would like to experience because mm-hmm. this pandemic is not ending anytime soon right now. I mm-hmm. think life continues to go on. So what matters most is that you take care of yourself and take care of what you want by how you want to find joy in your life. So 
Absolutely. Yes. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. I I don't want to leave this on a bummer, but I want I, this is <laughs> my big sister vibe. But like what I what I'm hearing now as as of like the end of 2021 when we're recording this um, is that there's a forecasting, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but to keep an eyeball on it, if if somebody listening to this is considering to quit, and like there's a lot of reconfiguring that the economy is going through. And again, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't think anything is like binary, good or bad. It's just, this is the way things are changing that people are, are now saying, okay, people are quitting. We have to learn how to do more with less. So Mm -hmm. right now the people quitting, I think have felt like, oh, there's tons of people quitting. So then I have a lot of job options available. That could be an attitude. Um, but there's a lot of companies and there's some that are so messed up and I don't want to leave it on this. We won't leave it on this, but what happened with like zoom and, you know, 900 people getting laid off in mass at once. There are people that are, these are things that are happening. So if, if that, let those be guiding pieces of information. I'm not saying that to drive panic in anybody, but to be mindful that there's still a lot of um, elements at play. And I think that especially with companies and corporations, they're caring about their bottom line and we got to be practical with that. There's five, that, that's a protective side of me of like, mm. um, I just remember how I was at 25. I'd be like, fuck you guys. I'm leaving. You know, I'd be very, <laughs> and I hope you're not as dramatic as I am because that can, it can be very dangerous. But like, if I didn't have a plan in place or something, I just want people to, again, be safe and like, have what they need. Mm-hmm. And there may be that shift that people are are, are wondering how that's going to result in like there being no jobs available because they're going to just learn how to do without, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but that means again, I still land on, we can still create more opportunities. There's still way more that can be done. And there's tons of money floating out there. People want to do all kinds of innovative things, new companies. This is just how we grow. So ultimately want to say encouraging, stay true to your path. Be smart about it. Um, flex where you need to flex. Be quiet when you make it's a very it's a jungle out there. But I really believe that people are so smart and capable, especially when like you're asking good questions, like you both of you are. I'm just so impressed and so inspired. Um, can I ask you guys a couple questions? I'm doing a new thing and I want to ask Ooh. guests a couple things before we close out for real. Um, you up for a few questions as we close out this episode sure. of first of all? Yeah. Okay. First question is, what are you guys grateful for? What are you grateful for today? Wow. I'm grateful for the sun that came out in LA today because it's been really freaking <gasps> gloomy the past couple days. True. So that's one thing I'm grateful for. And grateful for you, Minji, for this podcast. Grateful for everyone out there who is doing their best to make the things that they love and to be with the people that they love. Love it. What about you, Sophia? Well, I just got back from the most lovely visit to LA and I am grateful for a renewed sense of adventure and possibility that the trip opened up for me. Love it. I'm glad we could do that for you because sometimes people here go like, "Mm, (laughs) (laughs) I'm really happy to hear that. Awesome. Uh, Second question. What are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm looking forward to a different type of holidays. Um, this is my first holidays that I'm not spending with my parents. And so there is some, it's, it could feel weird. I'm trying for it to not feel weird. I'm trying to make the most of it by 
getting to choose the people that I get to spend it with and how I want to spend it. Um, and also just looking forward to the new year. I feel like the new year is always a great time for me to reset and to vision what I want the year to look like. So Love it. Love. Hmm. I am looking forward to compiling some of the cute footage that I took on the trip to LA. Just, you know, <laughs> put it together, write some cute little music, little jingles, see what happens, just make it for myself. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Amazing. Sidebar, Sophia's a very talented musician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have Thank to you. note. And I can't wait to listen. To, uh, if you will share it, I, I would love to see what you create. I love oh, seeing sure. how people make stuff. Thank you. And uh, final question. What do you guys want to leave with our listeners? What's our final words for this conversation? Because so we're not. You go I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if you're wondering if you deserve better, you probably do. Ooh. Ooh. That's good. I, what am I going to say right after that? <laughs> um. The Great Resignation is a phenomenon that you may be a part of, you may not be a part of, and whichever way that is, that is okay. Just do you. Love it. Nice. Well said. Oh my gosh, you guys, this was so great. Thank you for being here and sharing your your thoughts and your experiences. I'm cheering for both of you a thousand percent. I'm very confident you guys are going to go do amazing things. And yeah. Please, everyone, go listen to Bamboo and Glass. Yay. Thank you so much, Minji, for having us. It was such an honor to be on the podcast again. Yes, Thank and congrats you. on season two. We will be following <laughs> closely with all the stories you'll be sharing and all the cool people you'll be bringing on. Thank you. I'm excited. There's some There's some doozies I'm really excited to share. Ooh. Finally. Appreciate you guys. Okay, take care of yourselves. Happy holidays. And, and then also, we're, we're sharing this in the new year, so happy new year as well. Woohoo! Let's make it a good one, okay? Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. You make me choose, but you know I'm stuck with you. you make it Thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All, episode 163, The Great Resignation with Town Kim and Sophia Sun. Please go check out their show at Bamboo and Glass on Instagram. There's links to their show right there. You can find it on all the podcast platforms. You can follow them individually at Town Kim or at Sophia SY Sun. And thank you guys both again for being such wonderful guests. It was so good to talk through this with you. I feel like I learned a lot about myself in the process. It was really great. And yeah, if you enjoy this episode and feel like someone can benefit, please share it with them. Leave a five-star review and subscribe on your respective podcast platform. It is a new feature on Spotify, so would really appreciate if you guys could give me a subscribe and a five-star review there. It makes me more easily found by others perusing the podcast universe. So it's really helpful. Thank you very much. If you'd like to reach out, uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram at firstofallpod or email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show and back me or donate or anything, gift me anything, I really appreciate it. It's very kind of you. You can go to firstofallpod.com and become a Patreon member or get links to donation links, etc. I genuinely, I just, I'm very touched and I appreciate all the love. Thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer producer. Thank you to my producer, Anna Sun, and to my social media marketing guru, Juliana Deer. I love you guys. Thank you for making season two such a successful launch uh this was a lot of work in progress and now we're finally here and it's amazing thank you guys i owe you 
And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Go check out the other shows. They're really funny. Um, Such really good, diverse mix of stories and subjects. The one I was listening to is uh, Marvel and Makeup. That one's really hilarious. So go check those out. I'm sure I guarantee you'll have a good time. Find something that uh, floats your boat over there. And yeah, that's it for this week's episode. And our outro music this week is provided by a really talented, amazing singer-songwriter from Queens, New York. Her name is Rianjali, and the song this week is called Okay. Actually, has a question mark, so it's more okay. I hope you enjoy, and until next week, take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you later. Love you, bye! Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.